Welcome to today's 10 minutes of Torah. This week is the Torah portion of Vayikra, the third book of the Torah. We start the book and we start talking about sacrifices. Sacrifices are a topic that a lot of people don't know what to do with because they're not a subject that we're familiar with. Go to our ancestors a couple of thousand years ago and they would look at us extremely strange if we told them that our practice of Jewish our Jewish practice today does not include offering sacrifice. Their entire life was centered around the Beit HaMikdash, about the te- around the temple. And a central feature or aspect of the temple was offering sacrifices. If you told them today we observe Judaism without it, they would look, as a, uh, look at us as if we fell off the moon. What do you mean? How is that possible? And we look at them and say, well, sacrifices? It seems so messy. It seems so uncomfortable, inappropriate in a holy space. We think of holiness as being something that's pristine and 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 calm and meditative and focused, not a place that's hectic where there's animals being slaughtered. It, it just doesn't seem right to our sensibility. So it, it, it's an interesting concept because if you look in the Torah, you find that many sacrifices are highlighted. And this week's Torah portion, and in this book of the Torah, there's a lot of sacrifices that are spoken about. Every holiday is associated with a sacrifice. Every day, in fact, has specific sacrifices for that day. But we don't, we're not so familiar with it because it's not part of our practice for the past 2,000 years. The reason is not because it was done away with, God forbid, it's because the sacrifices have to be brought in the temple. And as long as we don't have a temple, as long as we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, we can no longer bring sacrifices. But when Mashiach comes, when the temple is restored, then we will once again bring sacrifices. It might be a little, little, a little bit of a learning curve. But let's first try to understand what is it about sacrifice? What exactly is the purpose and the accomplishment of bringing a sacrifice? So there's various different explanations and various different approaches Various places in Chassidus, it talks about how the animal soul is sacrificed, so to speak. The word karov, the word karban, which is a sacrifice in Hebrew, it comes from the word karov, which means close. It's about bringing our animal soul onto the altar and bringing it close to God, channeling its, its nature for a higher purpose. We're going to talk about something else over here today because in the Torah, it describes the sacrifice as being God's sustenance. And the question is, what in the world is that supposed to mean? God's sustenance? God needs food? Does God get hungry? And without our bringing sacrifice, is going to go to go to bed without food? I mean, well, what's that supposed to mean? Obviously, God doesn't eat. God doesn't drink, doesn't need food. What's that supposed to mean? The Torah uses the term sustenance. The Torah uses the term that the sacrifices are God's bread and Sustenance. This, something doesn't add up. And in fact, Tom would actually ask this question. And Tom would ask, does God need our food? Does God need our sustenance to provide sustenance for him? And what's interesting is that the answer that Talmud gives is it quotes <clears throat> a number of different verses in Psalms where the where God essentially says, I don't need your sacrifices because I have all the animals in the world. I don't need your sacrifices because I have all the grain in the world. It's all mine anyway. Which really doesn't answer the question because all that implies is that God does need 
food, but he doesn't need it from us because he has it anyway. But that's not really the question. We're not trying to understand where does God get his food from. We're trying to understand what in the world does it mean? God doesn't need food. Why are we talking about God eating? Why are we talking about providing sustenance for God? The whole thing doesn't seem to add up. So, we have to take a step back and understand what is this all about? What is the purpose of our existence? What is the purpose of the temple in Jerusalem? What is the purpose also of the sacrifices? So, the the sages tell us that God created this world because He had a desire to create a dwelling place in the lower realms. In other words, God wanted that this world should become a dwelling place for Him. Which raises a bit of a question itself. What exactly does that mean? I mean, after all, God would is in everything already. God, all, Everything only exists because God's causing it to exist. The expression that sages say is that just like the soul fills the body, so too God fills the earth. In other words, the only way the soul, the, the body stays alive is because the soul is enlivening it, is giving it its, its life. God is giving the world its life. So what does it mean that God wanted a dwelling place and we have to accomplish that? That's already the case. The point of a dwelling place is an interest is more than just God existing within the world. It's God being, so to speak, comfortable and revealed within the world. In other words, if you think about when you go to a somewhere, uh, visit somebody else, or you're in a public space, you act, or at least you should act, differently in a public space than you do in your home. At home, you may sit back on the couch and kick off your shoes and put your feet up and relax. In a public space, you might be a little bit more conscious of other people. You may be a little bit less comfortable, and it, which is appropriate. The point that we're saying that God wanted this pla- the world to be a dwelling place for Him is that He wanted His presence to be revealed in this world. Right now, God's presence is not revealed. It's in fact possible for people to sit in this world and claim that God doesn't exist. They claim the world can come into existence in some random fashion just by itself. They can sit here in this world and just deny God's existence. So God's presence is not revealed, and our role is to reveal God's presence. Now, that process of connecting God's actual existence to the revealed state is actually the process of food. Now, obviously, it's not literal food, but just like when a person doesn't eat, what happens if you don't eat for a number of days? Become less and less energetic. You become, you're able to function less and less because the way that your soul gives your body life is by being able to express itself within the body. And when a person doesn't eat, it causes the soul to retract and separate. Obviously, to an extreme extent, if a person doesn't eat for an extended period of time, it could cause them to die. So what does food do? Food brings a revelation, or it draws out the soul in a revealed sense. If you don't eat for a few days, you'll be less energetic, you won't be able to move as much. After a few days of not eating, you'll be able to, barely able to get around. You'll be very, very tired and worn out. You can't think straight. You can't function properly. If you don't eat for a number of days straight, you wouldn't be able to function properly. If you then ate, what would happen? Slowly, the life would come back into the person. And the ability to function would come back into the person. The ability to think, the ability to speak would return. So in other words, the food 
is what brings the soul into a revealed state within the body. And the same thing when we bring sacrifices. The sacrifices are essentially God's sustenance. It's not that it's food that God eats, but it's revealing God's presence in this world. We're taking a physical item, we're elevating it, we're using it for a holy purpose, intentional holy purpose, following God's instruction, revealing God's presence in this world. So that's the idea of food as it comes to, as it relates to the sacrifices. <clears throat> the role of sacrifices, the idea of sacrifice is to bring a revealed presence of God, to reveal God's presence in this world. That's what the sages in the Talmud are saying. The sages are asking, why does God instruct us to bring sacrifices? He can do it on his own. And that's what it's true. The, the verses that the sages in Talmud quote, in fact, indicate that God has the ability to f- feed himself. He has the ability to sustain himself. He has the ability to create this world and make this world a dwelling place and, and, and reveal his presence in this world. But God desired that it should be done through our work. God wanted us to be involved in the process. That is the point of the sacrifice. Not that he needs us to feed him, so to speak. But he wants us. He gives us an opportunity to be involved in this process. He could have done it on his own. The verses that the Talmud quotes indicate as much. But he gave us the opportunity to participate. And that is the point. that We have the ability to participate in this process. We have the ability to live in this world, not just as recipients of God's kindness, but actually as contributors as well. To participate in, so to speak, feeding God, revealing God's presence in this world. That's the idea of food. That's the idea that the sacrifices are referred to as food because that's what they're accomplishing. They're revealing God's presence in this world. And that is something that we could still accomplish today. We don't have the literal sacrifices in the actual Beit HaMikdash, in the actual temple. We don't have the ability to actually fulfill the mitzvahs as they're written. But we have the ability to fulfill their purpose. Their purpose meaning revealing God's presence in this world. When we live in this world, but in a way that's prioritizing the soul, prioritizing the instruction of the Torah, prioritizing God's word for over our own personal self-centered priorities, what we do is we reveal God's presence in this world. When we use physical aspects of this world for a holy purpose, we're revealing God's presence in this world. We're revealing that the source, the true nature of all of existence is actually godliness. And that is feeding, so to speak, the, the, the feeding God, so to speak, accomplishing what, this, what the sacrifice would accomplish, which is bringing God's presence from the concealed state to the revealed state. That's what this is all about, and that's what the sacrifice has accomplished, that's what we can still accomplish today. When Mashiach comes, we will bring sacrifice in the literal sense, but at that point, it'll be to magnify God's presence in this world because already the default will be a world where God's presence is revealed as it says that the, when Mashiach comes the knowledge of God will cover the earth like water covers the seabed may be speedily in our days. Thanks for joining this week's 10 Minutes of Torah. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, contentions, whatever feedback you have. But more importantly, join me next week for 10 Minutes of Torah. Have a great rest of your week. See you next time.